sick. What do you think, said his mother, slapping now at the vacated expanse of bedsheet, as if to scatter any offending particles of himself that Sammy might have left behind. She had just come home from her last night on a two-week graveyard rotation at Bellevue, where she worked as a psychiatric nurse. He can barely stand on his own two feet. Sammy peered over his mother, trying to get a better look at poor Yosef Cavalier in his baggy wool suit. He had known dimly that he had Czech cousins but his mother had not said a word about any of them coming to visit, let alone to share Sammy's bed. He wasn't sure just how San Francisco fitted into the story. There you are, his mother said, standing up straight, apparently satisfied at having driven Sammy onto the easternmost five inches of his mattress. She turned to Joseph Cavalier. Come here. I want to tell you something. She grabbed hold of his ears, as if by taking a jug by the handles, and crushed each of his cheeks in turn with her lips. You made it. All right, you're here. All right, said her nephew. He did not sound unconvinced. She handed him a washcloth and went out. As soon as she left, Sammy reclaimed a few precious inches of mattress while his cousin stood there rubbing at his mauled cheeks. After a moment, Mrs. Clayman switched off the light in the kitchen, and they were left in darkness. Sammy heard his cousin take a deep breath and slowly let it out. The stack of newsprint rattled and then hit the floor with a heavy thud of defeat. His jacket buttons clicked against the back of a chair. His trousers rustled as he stepped out of them. He let fall one shoe, then the other. His wristwatch chimed against the water glass on the nightstand. Then he and a gust of chilly air got in under the covers, bearing with them an odor of cigarette, armpit, damp wool, and something sweet and somehow nostalgic that Sammy presently identified as the smell, on his cousin's breath, of prunes from the leftover ingot of his mother's special meatloaf. Prunes were only a small part of what made it so very special, which he had seen her wrap like a parcel in a sheet of wax paper and set on a plate in the frigid air. So, she had known that her nephew would be arriving tonight, had even been expecting him for supper, and had said nothing about it to Sammy. Joseph Cavalier settled back against the mattress, cleared his throat once, tucked his arms under his head, and then, as if he had been unplugged, stopped moving. He neither tossed nor fidgeted nor even so much as flexed a toe. The big Ben on the nightstand ticked loudly. Joseph's breathing thickened and slowed. Sammy was just wondering if anyone could possibly fall asleep with such abandon when his cousin spoke. As soon as I can fetch some money... I will find the lodging and leave the bed, he said. His accent was vaguely German, furrowed with an odd Scots pleat. That would be nice, Sammy said. You speak good English. Thank you. Where'd you learn it? I prefer not to say. It's a secret? It is a personal matter. Can you tell me what you were doing in California, said Sammy, or is that confidential information too? I was crossing over from Japan. Japan? Sammy was sick with envy. He had never gone farther on his soda-straw legs than Buffalo, never undertaken any crossing more treacherous than the flatulent poison-green ribbon that separated Brooklyn from Manhattan Island. In that narrow bed, in that bedroom hardly wider than the bed itself, at the back of an apartment in a solidly lower-middle-class building on Ocean Avenue, with his grandmother's snoring shaking the walls like a passing trolley, Sammy dreamed the usual Brooklyn dreams of flight and transformation and escape.
From the age of six, he had sold seeds, candy bars, houseplants, cleaning fluids, metal polish, magazine subscriptions, unbreakable combs, and shoelaces door to door. In a Zharkov's laboratory on the kitchen table, he had invented almost functional button reattachers, tandem bottle openers, and heatless clothes irons. In more recent years, Sammy's commercial attention had been arrested by the field of professional illustration. The great commercial illustrators and cartoonists, Rockwell, Leyendecker, Raymond, Kniff, were at their zenith, and there was a general impression abroad that, at the drawing board, a man could not only make a good living, but alter the very texture and tone of the national mood. In Sammy's closet were stacked dozens of pads of coarse newsprint, filled with horses, Indians, football heroes, sentient apes, fawkers, nymphs, moon rockets, buckaroos, saracens, tropic jungles, grizzlies, studies of the folds in women's clothing, the dents in men's hats, the lights in human irises, clouds in the western sky. His grasp of perspective was tenuous, his knowledge of human anatomy dubious, his line often...